friends, welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right, welcome. How do we optimize protection in an unpredictable society? Today, we're going to attempt to perhaps unpack a little bit of that. Uh, We are hearing from Tony Rodarte, a retired law enforcement officer who spent most of his career working in the homicide unit. And not only is Tony passionate about bringing to light the needs of our first responders that are silently dealing with PTSD, But due to the years he worked on cases in the UHR, which for police lingo, that's the unidentified human remains, he strongly believes that everyone deserves a name. And also from these experiences, he and his wife, Melody, started a foundation called the Compassion Alliance Organization. And this is an organization committed to assuring families are not wandering alone. So we we only have 30 minutes here, Tony, and I know this can barely scrape the surface of such a deep topic, but I want to dive in, and I'm not even going to ask you if you're drinking coffee, apparently I am, you can tell, or what you're doing. I'm just going to dive right in and get into some uncomfortable topics of some of the things that I hear, you know, just with being a police officer and there's so much anger involved. And and so let's start there. Why are the police so angry? Let's let's jump in. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to spend a few minutes with you this morning. Um, I'm doing life real, too. I was actually sitting outside, was going to do this call with you in the calmness of one of these last spring mornings with nice weather. <clears throat> then I realized the construction noise <laughs> from the house next door was very, it was not going to be productive for this conversation. So scurry back inside, um, but just super excited to chat with you. And you're right, that, this that's a lot of stuff you just said. Um, and we only got 30 minutes, so we're probably going to keep this pretty surfacey. but I'm happy to jump in um, anywhere well- you want. I'm I'm going to interrupt you, Tony, because even though we're 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 pretty surfacey here, Tony and I go back um, years <laughs> of our friendship, and uh, also with his wife. And as a matter of fact, we were able to go to Egypt together, and I had to be harassed by him because apparently I'm not aware of security issues, and I would, <laughs> I would just evaporate and find out that Tony, you know, was like hunting me down, like I'm a missing person, but. Anyway, we've had a lot of fun together. Um, we also, it's a small world, a, a friend that I had been friends with for 30 years. Now he met um, Jordan Adler, and now you're going to be friends with Jordan for the next 30 years, I'm sure. But small world, and I so enjoy your friendship, Tony. No, and, and the feeling is absolutely mutual. And uh, man, you talk about a small world. How, how crazy is that with Jordan Adler? Um, <laughs> and I'm just going to say, that dude is one of the greatest human beings on the face of the planet. So the back, the fact that we share that relationship together um, is just special and awesome. And I think the world's a better place because he's in it. So fun, yeah. fun, fun. And I'm excited to see what the future holds. Um, but I do want to start off with Cairo because, man, that was a good trip. That was a fun trip. And I learned um, I, I'm an uneasy international traveler. Um, <laughs> and I, I definitely 
am wired a little differently than the rest of our traveling partner in term, partners in terms of security and the lens I look through and the things I see and how I process, but it's also a good learning experience. Yes. I'm also realizing the world isn't quite as bad as I anticipate. Everything doesn't always have to go sideways on us or turn left. Things can actually um, work out okay. But man, 20 years in law enforcement, you definitely look at things a little bit differently, especially internationally on travel. Oh, absolutely. And and I like what you said. There, There's not always evil around every corner. And, and I think even as we dive into this topic, that we... If we look at people that they they genuinely are operating out of their best intentions, that people aren't trying to destroy you and hurt you, they they really are just so self-absorbed and narcissistic that they're just coming through this um, this filter that might be different than yours, that might be more unique than yours. And our filter sometimes is very guarded, like, ugh, are you insane? Like, what are you thinking? And I think that's what's happened. And that's why this is such a significant topic where we it's become so polarized with the whole, you know, law enforcement officers. And it's sad. I mean, my dad was a cop. My my daughter was thinking about becoming a police officer. And we're we're having really good people that would normally go down this because they want to serve others go absolutely not. I don't even want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. So with that yeah. back to that that question like why why do you think there is so much anger i mean we know why but i'd like to hear it from you so i, I don't know that it's necessarily anger um i think it's easy to to look like it might be anger but you got to put yourself in the boots of the men and women that are wearing a badge today it's a totally different world in law enforcement right now mm -hmm. um yeah, I went through the police academy in 1997. It was a different time then. Um, yeah. And over my career, it changed quite a bit. But when I retired in 2018, um, it, it, it was, you know, worlds differently than, than mm -hmm. when I first started. And now I feel like it's, it's even more different. And you see that. I don't care where you are in the country. It doesn't really matter where you live. You look at the major metropolitan police forces around the country and the retirement rates are huge. The resignations are massive. They can't keep people in those positions, but who wants to do that? Uh, you're yeah. constantly under the microscope. You are constantly um, harassed. Uh, you're on video everywhere you go. The tensions are high. Um, now, are all law enforcement professionals perfect? Absolutely not. But there's not a profession out there where everybody's perfect. But that's a lot of added pressure. And I think some of that gets manifested, some of that frustration gets manifested into anger, or maybe the perception is they're grumpy, but they just have the weight of the world on those shoulders. Um, yeah. And and that's a lot of added pressure. It's hard enough already to be a cop. It's almost impossible with all this added pressure on your shoulders. Yeah. And and so what what would you see as some solutions? Like I always tell my kids, when, when you start thinking that way, like be relentlessly positive and solution focused. So yeah. what does that look like um, to where we don't have so much friction and tension going on here? I think we got to figure out a way, and there's, there's some agencies that are better than others, but we got to figure out a way to bridge the gap with the communities that we serve, um, whether those are open forums, uh, whether those are um, informal conversations, um, 
but we got to do better in that realm and we got to be able to facilitate these conversations in a peacemaking way um you know my heart is for peacemaking i know your heart patty is for peacemaking this law enforcement profession is not exempt from peacemaking there are ways that we can do that there are ways that we can have these difficult conversations but much needed conversations and just do it in a, a peacemaking uh, atmosphere where we're po pro-police pro-public um and pro-peace it, it can absolutely be done um, but we got to start somewhere. And quite honestly, conversations like this are starting somewhere. We just yeah. talk about these difficult things. And, and and the things we're not talking about or the things we're talking about right now are incredibly difficult. But just starting that conversation somewhere and yeah. creating a platform or a format where others can follow in and expand on it. Um, the, the, the world is filled with really good people. We just got to be willing to find them and see them. The world is filled with really good cops out there, men and women. We just got to be willing to find them and see them and find the common ground that we agree on and meet there and start the conversation there. If, if yeah. we're willing to just listen and not already uh, be ready to fight back with our words and argue, um, it's, it's incredible how productive these conversations can ultimately be. Yeah. Well, I have um, just from my, my father and, um, you know, his friends and, and some of, I, you know, we have a cousin that's a police officer who, who they're just doing phenomenal things. Um, uh, one, one story just recently happened where a friend of mine, her son hit a motorcycle driver and he, he didn't survive. And that police officer was in this 16 year old kid's life, making sure that he was getting counseling, calling the family up to see if he was okay and going so over and beyond. And that is what my filter is. So I have a tendency to hear some of these other stories and think, yeah, this happens no matter what organization you're in. You're gonna have bad people in a great organization. And we can't, you know, we talk about stereotyping with with race and with generations, you know, don't do that. But then we have a tendency to do this with law enforcement officers. And so I, I, I do believe this is a a significant conversation to have. And yeah, absolutely what you now could because you are so passionate and. You know, a couple of things, Tony, that you you strongly believe that everyone deserves a name uh, in in working on some of those those cases where they were unidentified and your experience with um, your past experiences has really pushed you into starting this this new organization, the Compassion Alliance. And so tell us a little bit about that. Like, how do you optimize protection in an unpredictable society? Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. But I think in order to answer that for you, I'm going to give you a little bit of my, my background and it'll kind of put everything in perspective and, and probably help fill in the dots on why we started the Compassion Alliance. Um, so I, you know, I did 20 years law enforcement, retired. The vast majority were in investigations. I spent my last 11 years in our homicide unit. And in that homicide unit, I, I worked active, um, unresolved or cold homicides, as well as unidentified human remains. Um, and man, you talked about the UHR, the unidentified human remains. That just became a huge passion. I, I just, I firmly believe everybody came into this world with a name and they deserve the dignity to leave it with the name. I don't care what they did. I don't care how they got here. 
I don't care what their past represents. Um, they still deserve the name. Mm-hmm. Um, but within, you know, that decade plus in that homicide unit, there's just some crazy things I saw. Um, and I think the general public does not realize just how violent the world is. There mm-hmm. are some really, really bad individuals out there. Um, and thank God we have law enforcement uh, to handle these really bad people. But over the course of that decade, there were things I saw, uh, there were things I did, conversations I had that were just difficult. They were just different. You know, there's no, when I went through the police academy, uh, they're not giving you the tools to process that um, self-help techniques, the things to, to get you past that. It was still kind of the good old boy system. <laughs> um, yeah. We're paying you to be a cop, solve crime you'll be okay. I like to think it's differently now. I don't know. I'm not in an academy setting anymore. I'm I'm sure it probably is, but it wasn't back then. It wasn't great. And so I just kind of learned on my own how to process this and handle it. And for me, it was compartmentalizing everything. And I have an amazing wife. Um, She's absolutely amazing. And I got through that career uh, because of her. And she allowed me to compartmentalize. Um, you know, I just didn't talk about cop stuff. I didn't have a bunch of cop friends. I came home. Uh, granted, I was on call a lot. And I missed a lot uh, with my kids from getting called out. But I wasn't talking shop at home. And that's how I was able to just kind of compartmentalize and move on. But I realized when I left um, that the time was now that I needed to talk to somebody Um and I, I, I never did it while I was working because I was worried about repercussions. And, and quite honestly, my agency probably would have been fantastic about it. But I just chose not to ask for help at that time. So I, I talked to somebody afterwards. And I'm telling you, Patty, it was like the entire world was lifted off my shoulders. Mm. Felt better, slept better. I communicated better. And I'm like, man, we, we, we have a bit of a broken system. We need to be proactively offering this type of therapy to the men and women doing this job now, they shouldn't have to wait to retire Mm -hmm. to get that help. And so that funneled us into the thought process of forming the Compassion Alliance. Um, And man, it's a lot of work. I'm sure you have other friends running nonprofits. There's no shortage of work, but I'm super passionate about that aspect of our life right now too. Um, Mm -hmm. And we have this and it's set up on a platform geared towards first responders, police, fire, and EMS. Um, and they can reach out to us directly through our website, which is compassion-alliance.org. They can contact us, um, and we can refer them to a therapist. And then we take that financial responsibility away. We pay for that. We use our 501c3s, and we pay for those donations and say, look, we care about you deeply. We value you and your profession. We just want to pay for your help. We don't ingo- get involved with therapy. We're not involved in the in the trauma process. Uh, that's between the therapist and the first responder. We are only there to pay for said services. Um, mm. And I tell people all the time, you don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to tell your sergeant. You don't have to tell your battalion chief. You don't have to tell your HR. You don't even have to tell your spouse. Mm. I don't necessarily encourage that, but whatever it's going to take for you to get some help, we just care about getting people some help. Um, we are getting better slowly, but surely we are getting better, but we're, we're, we got a long ways to go. Um, these conversations have to be, uh, the foremost that we're talking about in the law enforcement arena. And we're not there yet. Some agencies are better. Um, but I'm going to keep fighting and we're going to keep advocating for the men and women wearing badges and protecting our communities every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm blessed by the opportunity to 
change some lives through the Compassion Alliance. And we also do this, you know, um, we don't talk about it. Like I'm, I'm never going to tell you what agencies are reaching out, men or women, what they do. Um, we, we absolutely respect the privacy that that includes um, and, and we'll continue to operate like that. We just want people to reach out and allow us the opportunity to just take the financial burden away and just say, look, you have value. You are awesome. You're not broken. You might be bent a little bit, but heck, I was there myself. Yeah, we're all bent we, a little bit. We we know some awesome people that can help you out. So it's it's a great opportunity, and, and we're blessed with with this opportunity. Mm-hmm. So how have you found in helping others find help here? Has that helped you in ways that you realized, oh, maybe maybe I needed a little healthy needle shot of some of so it. Yeah, yeah. So, so my healthy needle shot was my amazing wife. And mm-hmm. once I retired, she's like, it's time. And she was the one that just kind of kicked me out of the nest and said, let's get you some help. Um, and that's what I needed. But I've realized not everybody has a spouse as amazing as my wife. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of men and women out there that are on this island all by themselves. Um, and so I'll continue to advocate. We'll continue to fight for them. Um, but I, I, I don't necessarily feel like I, I don't know. That's a really good question, Patty. I guess I never really took the time to think about that. Is that part of the therapeutic process for myself? I don't see it as that. Um, I just see it as we're, we're going to continue to go to battle for these men and women and get them the help that they need. And maybe at the end of the day, it is. I, I don't even know. That's a really good question and probably one I need to think about. Well, I have just found that when I am am helping others, I, I've noticed quite a bit of healing in myself or questions that I've been able to, to answer. It's like putting puzzle pieces together. And when we start asking ourselves, like becoming more self-aware to go, what what is driving me in this direction? I mean, you and I uh, both, because of our relationship with Christ, it, it drives us to really help and serve. And then there's this other desire that I know God puts on a heart um, that that it seems like it's driven from something um, even deeper. So I I sometimes question myself in that fashion of is this is this healing something? Like why am I yeah why am I so obsessed by this? Yeah, I, I yeah, you're absolutely right. But you brought up religion. Um, and I love that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna park on that for a couple minutes. And I I purposely didn't go down that road and I, I realized I probably could have. It would have been a safe place with you, White uh, Patty. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I generally don't. But now that you've opened that door, um, that has been a major part of my healing process. And you know, I talked about my wife being amazing, and she absolutely is. Um, but my relationship with Jesus and that personal relationship, and then having an amazing wife, were the two things that single-handedly, the one-two punch that led me safely out of uh, a career in law enforcement and helped me transition into this quote unquote uh, civilian life. Um, I'm thankful for both of those relationships. They're incredibly impactful uh, for me and have been um, game changers. So thank you for bringing that up and, and, and allowing us to jump on that platform just for a minute and, and acknowledge what needs to be acknowledged. Yeah, well, we can we can go there longer than a minute. Uh, why, why do you think that that has helped you so much? Well, you know, I, I was, I was raised a uh, Catholic. 
Um, and I just didn't have that personal relationship. I, I didn't really know what it meant. Um, and it wasn't until I found the church that I know you through. Um, as a matter of fact, I met my wife at Central. <laughs> so Central has been a, a huge part of my life, um, both personally and professionally. Um, I don't know if you know this, Patty, but Melody and I met in the college group in 95 at Central and got married at 98 at Central. So Central is like home. Yeah. And that relationship that I talked about is is one of the most powerful relationships that I've had. Um, and both of them came out of Central. My relationship with Jesus and my relationship with my wife. So Central is a, a very special place in my heart. And I'll continue to also advocate for them. There's some amazing people over there. And, and you know, well, our kids have been raised through Central and now our kids are adults. So it's like Central is all we've ever known. So um, I think we just turned this into a Central podcast and I'm totally <laughs> cool with that. Well, it's it's interesting because my husband says this all the time to, to my kids um, that the two greatest... Um, uh, I all of a sudden I couldn't think of how I'm trying to think of how he quotes, but basically the biggest things you're ever the choices, the two greatest choices you ever make in your entire life is when you choose to have a relationship with Christ and you choose your spouse. And it's so true. The, those two things are going to make or break you. So yeah, absolutely. figure it out. Everything else just kind of falls to the, to the wayside because that really does change the way you show up every day. Oh, 100%. And I liked your husband before this podcast, but he just <laughs> elevated himself with that little nugget. Yeah, we, we have a lot of um, side jokes uh, going on with We do. With One my thing we will not go into on this podcast. <laughs> but you always make me laugh, Tony. Okay, so what are you working on right now? And what's the what's the quirkiest thing about you? Oh my goodness, the quirkiest thing about me. Um, that's a great question. Well, what's with you throwing these uh, curveballs at me? Uh, I said one that we would get uncomfortable. I said, be prepared. We're, we're going to go into an, an uncomfortable place. Yeah. Be prepared for your quirkiness. Um, I'm not sure. Let that one marinate. Um, okay. For a minute. And what was the other part of that? The first part? Um, what are you working on right now? Like, because you and I have been trying to get together for months. I think it was even before the holidays, and we just keep pushing it. You know, we'll we'll, we'll get a date, and then we're we're both just having crazy lives. So tell we me. we are pretty busy. Uh, but I want it duly noted that you appear to be busier than me because I am still willing to meet, my friend. I'm still <laughs> willing to meet. So the ball is officially in your court. All right, um, I'll take that. I will take that and hold the ball. So uh, what am I working on right now? So yes. we, we also own a private practice. So my wife is a physician and we own a private practice in Gilbert. Um, that consumes a lot of my time. Um, I run our nonprofit. We run our nonprofit out of that same building. Um, and I, I'll tell you, I'm going to share a little nugget with you that's, that's on my heart. And it's something I have not fully figured out yet, but we are going to do it through the Compassion Alliance. And it's these conversations that we're talking about, these difficult conversations with law enforcement in the community, creating a way that we can have these conversations um, in a very respectful, peacemaking, loving way, but have really difficult conversations. And let's unpack the things that you talked about. Why are cops angry? Um, there's a lot of questions. Why do cops uh, shoot to kill? Why don't they shoot to injure? Um, there's a lot of questions that the community has. And I think we can create this arena, if you will, where we can unpack some of that. 
and and give some real answers. You know, the angry cop has that's come up a couple times. Um, and again, I think we see it a little differently. But think about everything these police officers see, everything they do. Um, I had a friend reach out to me and uh, reference a traffic collision. He's asking me why the cops are so angry there. What he didn't know, it's a fatal traffic collision. Um, he doesn't know what these police officers saw. Yeah. He doesn't know um, the emotional toll that that took on seeing deceased bodies inside the wreckage of the car. He just sees a police officer not smiling. Yeah. And he's not going to see a police officer smiling at a fatal collision. He doesn't even know it's fatal. He's just driving by. Thinks he sees a grumpy cop. But let's have those conversations. Let's drill down a little deeper and let's talk about that. And again, I'm not advocating that every police officer is 100% perfect, but I am advocating that most of them are pretty darn good. Um, there's some amazing men and women doing this job, and we need to highlight those ones. Well, and and that even goes back to showing up in our world with everyone. We do not know the filter and what's going on in people's lives. Uh, I just recently uh, read, and now I can't even think of, is it the te- Tetris, te- Tetradome? What, what's that game, that puzzle that you put the blocks and the squares you can play it on the computer or on your phone. The Tetris? Yes. And that that game, people that are spending hours and hours and hours, like it's rewiring the way our neurons, you know, are, are firing off. And so they'll go to the store and they'll want to start organizing, you know, the grocery <laughs> the boxes, the cereal boxes or whatever. <laughs> you start seeing things that way. And you know, with the, with social media, and I'm I'm not dogging social media. I think there's some fabulous things that come out of social media, but I also think we need to be careful with, just like it says in, in Philippians 4, 8, 9, watch what you're putting in your brain, right? Watch Absolutely. what your thoughts, where they're going. Are they, are they true? Are they kind? And, and where then are we literally rewiring the negativity or how positive we are in the day? Are we organizing the cereal on a shelf because we're spending a little bit too much time in one particular game? You know, where 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 is that balance in the moderation totally. in our life? Totally. And what's crazy, Patty, is we literally have two minutes, probably one minute now. And you're bringing up social media. I'm not even going to go down that road or we'll be another 30 minutes on what cell phones are doing and addictions and social media and all that. But you're you're 100 percent spot on in what you're talking about, which just tells me there's. A lot more conversations you and I probably need to have. My I know, I know, and we we will. So, Tony, we have one minute, and um, first of all, actually, we have 30 seconds. I want to say run to compassion-alliance.org and see what else Tony and his wife, you know, what they're doing. What What in 15 seconds is a great tip for our listeners? Just to be present. Be present in the conversations that you're having, especially the difficult ones. Uh, we don't have to have the answers to everything. We just got to be present. Awesome. And once again, Tony, I so appreciate you. It's an honor talking to you and having you on the show. And we will talk again next week on Girlfriend It. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. Girlfriend It, because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It. Hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com. 